Buried securely within the cavity of the human chest is an indescribable muscle charged by the tiny electrical impulses that beat 100,000 times a day, pumping 1,800 gallons of blood. Yet the heart of a person is so much more, metaphorically. Solomon told us above all else to guard it for everything you do flows from it. On this episode, we will talk about purity of heart, the value of sanctifying your imagination. And listen to the end as we have a table talk with prophetic minister, author, and life coach, Bob Hazlett. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight under real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome to Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. We are excited to have you. We're so excited to be with y'all. We could not wait to get back into the podcast studio and to share this episode with you. We hope that you're going to enjoy this. You know, it's funny. I was checking out some hashtags lately and it kind of made (laughs) me laugh. And there was this hashtag urban greetings. Nice. Okay. So they had different kind of greetings and I was, I was kind of checking them out. Okay. The classic greetings. Here are several of them. One is, what's good, everybody? I like that one. It's real friendly, inviting. How you, how you living, fam? It's good. What's up? (laughs) Classic. That'll never go out. (laughs) Right. And then there is this super classic upward head nod. When two urbanites see each other, you do your head nod, but it's got to be up. That's good. You know, okay, so question as a non-urban person, like what am I allowed to do? Here's the question, because I don't want to be the lame non-urban that's like trying to be cool and everyone's like cringing. They're like, don't do it. Obviously, I think you have this relevance about you. I think you could oh, definitely do nice. what's good, everybody. <laughs> nice. Okay, what's good, everybody? You could go, how you how you living, fam? How you living, fam? Now, if you're going to do the upward head nod, okay. you might want to have a little bit of history with the person when you first bust that out. <laughs> I'm actually going to go ahead and remove myself. I've seen you do that, and I feel like that's a code thing. It, 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 it's, it's a like, little bit of a code because I, when we first started dating, I remember we'd be walking just random public places and you'd see another brother and you would like nod your head up, do the upward head nod. And you guys would like have this moment. And I was like, oh, do you know him? You're like, no, I've never met him. It's like, uh, it's an understanding between the two of you. I can't enter that understanding. It's like, right? I get you. I know your struggle, <laughs> man, but we made it because we walk in the streets right now. <laughs> upward head nod, upward head nod. <laughs> That's right. Acknowledgement, celebration. That's it. That's, That's great. It. That's great. Well, of what we experienced this past week, I would hate to be a weatherman meteorologist. Oh, right. This past week in Northern California, it's, it's been, been crazy. crazy, y'all. We've had heat wave. Oh, so hundred and well, no, hundred eight. And we're in the San Francisco Bay Area yeah, that's where not we normal. don't get humidity. No, 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 we don't get heat like that. We no. don't get heat like that. The other night we had thunder and lightning. Oh, it was crazy. I loved it. Most everyone hated it. I was loving it. it was Now you had the stat. How, how many thunders and lightning? Well, I saw this on Instagram. I apologize, but someone posted in the Bay Area and there was 2,500 lightning strikes in four hours. I'm like, hello, did Texas move to California? What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was really abnormal for here. So we had heat wave, thunder and lightning. We had torrential rains. We had fires. Right now we're on oh. alert because of the smoke. Oh, yeah. And people have now evacuating their homes because the fire is not too far from here. It's horrific. Like, it is insane. Everything about 2020 is like super over the top. I mean, it's pretty crazy. And we're about to go into that election time. So it's oh, about to get more thank crazy. thank you. And it's an election year. I mean, Lord, do we need Jesus or do we need Jesus? <laughs> the one thing that I think this weather has showed us is it's been extremes. We've had this extreme thunder and lightning and rain. 
Then we had this extreme heat, now extreme fire. But there have been some other extremities this week, oh Krista. Boy. Talk to us. Okay. Trending on Twitter this week and trending across a lot of different social media platforms is Cardi B's new song called WAP. W-A-P. I'm not even going to tell you what it means. It's filthy. Thank you. It's disgusting. But the point is, I'm seeing this trend on the top of the list and across the board. And there is such explicitness about this. And, you know, you were telling me kind of like comments that you were seeing on Twitter and different th- and different social media platforms about the response to it. Right. There's sisters is saying that that is ratchet. Oh, I Cardi mean. Cardi B song, WAP. I mean, it is so filthy. And I, I sat there and again, I didn't watch it. I don't want to watch it. But the, but the reality is if that's trending top on an entertainment level, to me, it shows the depravity. And my concern would be for a 12-year-old girl yeah. that she throws that on and all of a sudden Oof. that level of defilement comes their way. But it's so overtly sexual at a whole other level now, which is different. And it was interesting because we saw the contrast of the generations because I ran across this like random YouTube video I was telling you about. Oh, this is hilarious. And these two young African-American guys, they're twins in the new trend and they're on YouTube. They have like half a million followers and they record themselves reacting to videos. And the And the song they chose was In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. They're, you know, reacting to it and they're just like enjoying the creativity, the innovation, like he does things different. He doesn't drop the beat until the very end of the song. They're just doing things creatively and they're enjoying the innovation. They're enjoying the creativity versus what else is trending this week is the Cardi B, which is like the most opposite. And I think this totally epitomizes the extremes that we're going to be talking about even on this episode. Absolutely. Today, we're going to have a conversation on the extremes of using your imagination and your heart. I love that. Because there's been such a defilement with so much art, music, song, we really want to be talking about what is real creativity and how does God actually want to use your imagination? Because God gave us an imagination, but it has to be sanctified. It's so clever of God to give us an imagination because it's in your imagination where many of the miracles are birthed, is that God uses your imagination. As in our imagination, many of the miracles are birthed there. The same is also true that in our imagination, many miracles die there because we failed in the way in which God intended for us to use. You know what I love is in scripture, like where there's always an invitation to come to him as a child, but we dream about projects for God, things that we want to do. Like we dream about it. And I think I go back and that was integrated and cultivated into me. Even as a young child, there's such an innocence in our imagination that I feel like we're never supposed to lose. But so many of us go through life and hard things do happen. Difficult things happen. And we actually, over time, lose our imagination and we lose our creativity. It's so true. And I think that the enemy so tries to defile our imagination because the truth is, is that revelations, whether they're heavenly or demonic, they are both received the same way Mm -hmm. through the imagination. True. So it's interesting. I was reading up on this neuroscience, which is a study of how the brain operates, reveals that when our neurons fire up to create a thought, they also over time create pathways in the brain. And those pathways, Mm -hmm. they become tendencies. They become our autopilot. So neuroscience says when our neurons fire up, they create a thought, but over time they create a pathways in our brains and it demonstrates that the way we are now is a product of how we imagine. Solomon said in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So Solomon was getting neuroscience before neuroscience. 
And you know what's so cool is as a Christian, we have access to create new pathways. So a new pathway in your brain is actually created when you allow Jesus to take you through the process of healing and restoration. That needs to happen. I just saw a video on. on American Airline where a sister or somebody else, they were straight up fighting out in the middle of the aisle. Are you serious? I went crazy. And I'm like, somebody needs to have some new neural <laughs> pathways up in the air. Another importance of our imagination is the God-focused imagination is a key factor in our ability to personally experience God. Mm. That it's in that place that God meets us and God sets up his throne in that place because what we call imagination, the Bible also calls heart. You know, when the Bible says in Ephesians 1.18, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you would know the hope of your calling or the eyes of your heart. It literally is the word translated imagination. Mm, I love that. And lastly, just a real importance of our imagination is the faculty of our revelation. You know, your imagination is the faculty of revelation. And that is such an incredible concept where we know that we can have a fresh revelation that's available to us when our imagination is sanctified and renewed in him. He downloads his truths to us and we don't live in a state of just what we're seeing in the natural, but we live in a place of recognizing what God's saying in the spirit. All right. Keep your 100 tribe. This right now, it's the scripture that I believe changes everything. And the scripture is Matthew 5, 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And so what Jesus was saying in the sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God is that God blesses those whose hearts are pure and he blesses them with a fresh vision of him. And I've learned something. God creates a pure heart within us, Krista, by defining what is pure and then directing me towards it. Our culture cannot define for us what purity is. I know they may come out with a rating on a movie and they may make it PG or they may right. make it R. So the Motion Picture Association, they're rating the movie, but they can't define what's pure for me. God alone can define what's pure for me and then he directs me towards that which is pure. That's so good. Also, we live in a time when purity is not something people talk about. It's not valued. It doesn't seem to be popular. Uh, it's not like people go on and talk about purity. It's almost like it's a forgotten understanding, but purity must be valued. I'm open about this. I'm coming out with my uh, first book and it's about my journey of singleness. And one of the chapters is I talk about purity versus virginity. But you know, I was 39 years old when I got married and I was a virgin. And it's definitely mocked in our society because there's even a movie called 40 Old Virgin and not because it's a positive, right? And so here I was, you know, a woman really making a stand for virginity and for purity. And that is like so unpopular even in the church, right? Because people get to this place, especially when you begin to get desperate and wanting to be in a relationship and be in a marriage and you find yourself people with different standards and there's a challenge and there's a pressure in our stances for purity so and true. our stances often for virginity or for people that maybe have lost their virginity but now they're walking with the Lord and they're choosing celibacy and they're choosing to honor God and there is that process of transformation that we all have to go through but taking that stand for purity boy there's a many times there's a cost for it is it worth it 110%, but we have to understand we live in a society that mocks what is actually right. That's so true because that impurity becomes an attack on our relationship with God. 
I'm going to really open up. I remember years ago, right when I gave my life to Christ, I was on a college campus. Oh, yeah. And uh, as I gave my life to the Lord, I had, I had a girlfriend at the time, and our relationship wasn't obviously built on the foundation of Christ. Our, our relationship was very immoral. And so when I gave my life to Christ, I kind of really was going after God. And in the midst of that, it was causing conflict in our relationship. And I remember one particular night, I was at my apartment. And so my girlfriend at the time in college, we were kind of like not boyfriend or girlfriend, but we kind of were. She called me because she said, hey, my roommate is gone. She had a gallows roommate. She says, I'm hearing some sounds around our apartment. I'm scared. Can you come and just check up on me? And so I'm a baby Christian. It may not have been the wisest. So I said, hey, I'm going to come over. I'm going to make sure you're okay. I'm going to check around your apartment. I'm going to check in your apartment. I'll hang out a while, but I'm, I'm going to go home. You know, I'm not going to stay the night. And so I get there and I could tell she's she's probably trying to make a move, but I'm, I'm shutting it down, shutting it down, shutting it down. And so I'm, I'm in the, the living room. And so she she's going to bed. And I told her, I said, I'll wait till you go to sleep so you don't have to worry. And then I'm going to let myself out. And again, I'm not saying this is wisdom. I'm not saying this is the thing to do. This was a baby Christian with baby Christian logic. <laughs> and so all of a sudden she calls my name. She says, Sean, I come over to her doorway, the threshold of her door. And all of a sudden she sits up in bed and drops the sheet and she's totally naked. Mm. And in that point in time, she says, come here. And it was like the movies where you're at the threshold of a door and you feel like a wind tunnel trying to suck you in a room. Oh, it's yeah. like I could feel that. It was like the Lord opened my eyes and I saw this dark shadowy figure behind her. And he was waving like with a finger to come, kind of like Yikes. something out of Charles Dickens Scrooge, you know, <laughs> the, the, the ghost of Christmas past or something. <laughs> I immediately said no. And she said to me, if you, you walk out that door, we're done. And I, I turned, I was walking to the door and I said, we've been done ever since I gave my life to Christ. Ooh. And I walked out, but I knew in that moment, my purity was challenged. Mm -hmm. And so I walked out there, but I cried. I got to the car, I cried because it shook me, yeah. that whole experience. But I, by God's grace, made it out with my purity intact. Mm -hmm. I love that you shared that because I think so many people walk that out. And there's such a battle for the purity, especially if you've been living one way, you have an encounter with Jesus, and then there is this pull of your old life. But as you don't bow to it, as you don't come into agreement with it, as you don't give it place in your life, and you really choose God, even in those times of pressure point moments, that when we allow God to sanctify and bring purity to our lives, there is such a beautiful witness because so many people don't see people live a life of purity. And that's such a contrast in such a sexually aggressive culture that we live in. And it's so in your face. I mean, from a child to a married person, it doesn't matter, every age in between, there is constantly, I mean, if past 10 o'clock every night, I'm watching like crime show. I mean, it's totally clean. And, but there's that 1-900 advertisement that pops on. I mean, there's no temptation for me, but I always pray uh, when I watch that, that that thing just gets blocked from every person that would be tempted by that. Because just sitting there watching an innocent show, but from advertisements to everything, I mean, you're just bombarded in our society. But we can walk in a level of purity and consecration when we allow God to take us through that journey. I know in my life, I mean, I even said I was a 39 year old virgin, but that was not without a battle. 
right? Right. At all for it. And Chris Vallotton talks about that a lot. He's like, there's a battle for the marriage bed. There's a battle for your purity. And it is a battle. And you have to understand there is so much that comes at you that wants your purity. And I remember from high school, I didn't date in college. I dated a guy right after college. And there was different times where I would casually be getting to know someone. And then it was like, okay, this is a really great person. I was super upfront about my morals and my boundaries. And obviously I wasn't going to have sex and I made it really clear. And there was always came a point where I think there's the kind of that belief system. And especially with guys, there was like, because I was the virgin, I think that there was a little bit of like a a mark on me that the the guys wanted to conquer me. They wanted to be that person that got my virginity. right. right? Right. And so I felt at times a real pursuit and a pressure. And I remember dating this one guy after college. And again, it was very casual, but one night we were just hanging out and it was like, he got super like aggressive. And I was like, he had never been like that. I'd never seen that side of him. And I got really nervous because I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to go, is this going to go into a really bad situation? I just quickly just said, Hey, I think I'm, I need to go home. I think my roommate needs me. Like I just like did the whole like panic, um, made up an excuse and got the heck out of there. And then I never heard from him again. And then come to find out, I heard that he had been sleeping with a girl the whole time. He was quote unquote getting to know me anyway. Wow. And so that I look back at my life and God so protected me, but I also saw a consistent pattern where I laid down the boundary where guys were getting to know me. And I was like considering if we were going to get in a relationship or not. And I want you to know to anyone listening to the keep it 100 tribe. If there is someone that cheats on you for your purity, there is a clear sign that is not the person the Lord has for you. Because what I love is God brought Sean into my life and he so honored uh, my purity and he so cherished it. And that is so important that we have people that actually advocate and cheer you on. If you're in a relationship with someone that's pulling you against that standard, that's a clear example of that's not the right person for you, right? And I want to talk to you about the five benefits of sanctifying your imagination. I just said one of them a moment ago. Number one, when you have a sanctified imagination, it then gives you a sense of clear direction. When we're walking in a diluted version of who we're called to be and our imagination has mixture in it, it also causes confusion. Mixture causes confusion. And I think that's so important for us to understand that when we open up the gates to our imagination, we're allowing often a confusing spirit to influence us. When we walk in a place of clarity, that's when we're walking in purity. A second benefit of sanctifying your imagination is that you would experience God. When our imagination has been defiled, what happens is that the place where we experience God becomes fogged up. And so we don't have a clear vision of God. We don't have a clear sense of God. And so often people are saying, hey, I want guidance. I pray for discernment. I desire the direction, but yet I don't feel anything. And I think the truth of the matter is, is God is always revealing himself to us. He's ever about the business of guiding us. But the problem lies with our inability to discern because if purity enables and enhances spiritual sight, impurity disables or diminishes our spiritual sight. 
The third benefit of sanctifying your imagination is walking in a clear conscience. And I just remember in college, there used to be this thing called the walk of shame. I'm sure it still exists. It's a, you know, someone hooks up with someone, they go to sleep and they have on the exact same clothes and they get up in the morning and they're like going home and they're, you know, they look exactly like they did the night before. And everyone knows that they hooked up with someone and spent the night with someone. So they call it a walk of shame. And there is, that's such a metaphorical picture of when you're living in sin and living in compromise, there is such a searing of your conscience that happens. And there's such a blanket of shame that surrounds you because sin never edifies, sin just shames, sin condemns. And when we walk in an imagination and our conscience becomes clear, we're then able to walk in a clear conscience. And when you walk in a clear conscience, there is such a freedom and such a joy that happens in your life because you're not walking around with shame. The fourth point is you will be more untouchable. Jesus said in John 14, 30, the ruler of this world is being cast down, but he has no hold on me. That was a powerful posture to be in because Jesus is saying, I'm untouchable. And when you think of the phrase, the ruler has no hold on me, maybe the biblical language is stronghold. The enemy looks for strongholds. And when we allow impurity in our imagination, we're not untouchable. It's just the opposite. The enemy has strongholds in which he can grab us and in a sense, pull us towards things that are unhealthy for us, unbiblical, or things that remove us from the sense of who God is and what he has for us. The fifth benefit of sanctifying your imagination is you are free from an emotional roller coaster. Come on, can I get an amen for that? Because none amen. of us want to live in an emotional roller coaster. When you have a sanctified imagination, you know what your true north is. It's the Lord, it's the word of God, it's his spirit, and that's his truth. And when we live from that place, it eliminates that high highs and the low lows. Yeah, you might have a tough day, but at the end of the day, you know God's got you and there's that peace and that rest knowing you're not alone and God will never leave you or forsake you. And some of you need to be reminded that when we walk in a sanctified place, and we've now allowed God to renew our mind and our imagination. We can pull a testimony of how God has come through before. You'll be reminded he can do it again. That's absolutely truth. The opposite of purity is defilement. And mm -hmm. what we're describing right now, keep it 100 tribe. You got to understand there is a battle for your purity. Your imagination is under attack. The enemy wants to imprison and corrupt your imagination. So instead of it being a place where God projects revelation, vision, his voice, his presence, that it becomes something defiled. And so here's what I've noticed that darkness wants to use specifically. When darkness wants to defile you, darkness will try to shut down your imagination by first of all, using past bad experiences. That's so the, true. The enemy wants to bring up trauma. Yeah. And tragically, there may be some that even they, they've experienced abuse, uh, sexual coming up. And so the enemy wants to bring up past bad experiences. And instead of having the freedom in your imagination to receive from God, you're rehearsing that past bad experience. The second thing darkness wants to use is unclean images and impurity. And that's the reason why right now, I believe the enemy is so coming out of generation with pornography. It's not just a guy thing anymore. It's a guy and a gal thing. It's and so true. There's a reason why David the psalmist said, I will put no impure thing before my eyes. Because he understood that he was in a battle against darkness and darkness was trying to defile his purity and his imagination. That is so true. 
but I'm going to call our eyes a gate, yes. right? I'm going to call our yes. ears a gate. And so we have to understand if, you know, you have open gates in your life and you have closed gates in your life. So if you've ever had to, you know, uh, go through a gated community, you have to have an access code, right? Or, mm-hmm. or a gate, a door that has a lock on it. You have to get an access code to get in there. And it's like, you choose what you give an access code to in your imagination, into your mind. And friends, you have to understand to our Keep It 100 tribe, whatever you put into your life is always going to come out in some way. So don't be foolish. Don't, don't get it twisted. You're not going to be able to watch those pornographic movies. You know, I don't care what's trending and what's on the top of the charts or whatnot. I understand you want to be in the mix. I understand you want to watch the latest and the greatest, but you have to understand when you put that stuff into your life, it's going to come out in one way, shape or form. And how it's going to come out is through your talk, through your action, through your belief systems, your perception of how you think you see things, how you think about things. And you have to understand that when we want to be able to walk in a place of discernment, there is a a clearing of our mixture that has to happen in our lives. That's so true. That not only does darkness want to use past bad experiences, unclean images and impurity, but third of all, that the enemy wants to use unhealthy fantasy to mm. harass us. That's so it's true. one thing to play a video game, but it's another thing for the video game to play you. Right. And so, so often so you true. find people there, they're giving up sleep. They're late night depriving themselves. It's not worth it. That's right. Because the enemy wants to use it to harass you intimidate you and ultimately enslave you. It's so true. And the reality is we know that all that does is cause bondage and division between you and God. And at the end of the day, you and I can agree that's never going to be worth it because what you gain from being in connection with God is a clear path and a clear conscience. Keep your 100 tribe. We love to give you some action points to close out. And so our call to action this week for this episode, Sanctifying Your Imagination, is listen to what God is saying. And in order to listen to what God is saying, sometimes you have to turn off distractions. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to have to compete for your attention. So it's just this place of saying, hey, I'm going to read and memorize scripture. I'm going to wash my imagination with the water of God's word. And so if you listen to what God is saying, it is in fact one of the greatest takeaways you could do in terms of sanctifying your imagination. The second thing that we want you to walk away with is talking it over with your godly mentors. I'm going to call that accountability. Getting to get accountability into your life. Get a second set of eyes because we all have blind spots in our life. And when you allow someone to have a viewpoint, some eyes into your life, they're going to be able to expose some things that you may not see. You may not even be aware of, but those around you are aware of them for you. And God allows accountability to create safeguards because when you walk in a safeguard, it's a beautiful process the Lord takes you into protection protect you and lead you into a place of purity and righteousness. Third of all, the third call to action is stay away from defiling things. First Peter 2.11 tells us to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against our soul. And so it's very clear that fleshly lusts wages war. Sexual sin clouds your vision. There's no way that as this nation, in terms of the early wars, Everyone remembers the Revolutionary War. That was the war for freedom. And then everyone remembers the Civil War. That's when the North and the South divided and we fought against each other as a nation. There's no way that you could win the Revolutionary War and the Civil War at the same time. You're fighting for freedom for others. You're called to be a freedom fighter for your generation. But you're not able to fight that revolutionary battle for their freedom if you're fighting a civil war of allowing your own thoughts to be clouded by ungodly impurity. And so understand to stay away from defiling things is simply to guard your gates 
And there's a scripture that says in Numbers 33, 55, it says, but if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. And so really, how do you make that plain? What it's saying to us, splinters in your eyes mean that when you allow defiling things in, it's going to affect your vision, which affects your rationale, the way you see things, the way you categorize things. And thorns in your sides they force you towards things. It's uncomfortable. You you move away from thorns. In other words, the enemy can begin to push you into positions you don't want to be in all because we allow defiling things. But I believe that God has got a land for you to live. And that's what that scripture bears out. It says God has a land for you to live. And this land is called purity. Keep your 100 tribe. We have a special surprise right now. As promised, here is our interview with Bob Hazlett. Hey, what's going on, you guys? I got my great friend, Bob Hazlett, here. We're just talking. I'm super excited to have you, Bob. You are amazing, bro. Bro, thanks for having me. I've been loving your podcast. I've been, I'm excited to be on it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I got questions for you. First question I want to ask you, Bob, is what part does heart purity play in the prophetic? Oh, my goodness. You went deep fast. I thought you would start with something like, what's your favorite Ben & Jerry's ice cream flavor? <laughs> But prophetic, okay. I mean, it's pretty much everything. When I think of heart, you know, I think of the soul, you know. So purity, you could go so many directions with that, couldn't you? You could think about, you know, moral purity. You could think about integrity, you know, purity. You could think about purity and the flow of how you present it. So I would go all those places. It has to do with the place of your soul. Because mm -hmm. the place that things get corrupted in us, you know, it's not our spirit. It's the way that the prophetic is processed through our soul, you know. And I think a lot of us, when we think of the prophetic, we think, well, it's just like it comes from God and I just say it. But no, it goes through my mind. Uh, it goes through my emotions. It goes through my creative imagination. And so I can't say stuff without it going processing through my soul. My soul's got to be clear and pure. So how do we bring purification to the soul? I love it. The Bible says in James that that when you receive the implanted word, it sozos your soul. Like it, that the word of God does something that it clears out the debris from my soul. And in a time like we live in now where there's so much chatter and clutter in the world, you know, in the media and social media, there's so many voices and everybody's voice is speaking at once. And they're all at like maximum volume, right? Yes. So easy to impact yourself. So how, how can we be pure? I remember when the Lord called me um, 20 years ago to prophetic ministry. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew he called me aside. And for nine months, I, I stepped out of my church. And I had a, quite a prophet, three prophetic words that I would travel the world and be a, a voice for God you know, to the nations and bring revival. But I set aside everything for nine months. And I just laid on the floor and I just saw his face. You know, It was like a moment of cleansing of my soul. I didn't watch TV. Man, I even gave up coffee. Now that's a revival, bro. <laughs> you give up coffee. And it wasn't legalism. It was just, I, I was hungry. Like Jesus said, I got food you not not of. You know, I got drink you know not of. And I, I was just so hungry and thirsty for God. And I'm just telling this not to tell somebody that they have to follow my process. But I remember after that nine months of just spending time with God, 10, 12 hours a day in prayer, just in his presence, and worship and just soaking seeking his face, walking up the mountains and talking to him. I remember when I stepped into a new ministry position, I could then now release some of the things God taught me. I remember the first time I went into a Blockbuster video. Remember Blockbuster videos? Oh, yeah, man. We used to have it. You know, when you, there was a time when you had to go to a store and get a, a, a DVD, and then you would rent it while well, they were VHSs. Come on, mentor them. <laughs> exactly, right? And then you could just download it. So I remember walking into that Blockbuster video, and it was so 
much noise, visual noise, atmospheric noise. You know, it was like every one of those movies was talking to me at once. I literally had to walk out. And I said, God, what is that? You know, is there so many demons in there? And he's like, no. Is that you have sensitized your soul to me so that this clutter and this chatter, this outside noise seems so foreign to you. Wow. Does that make sense to you? Like, Absolutely. So it wasn't that I was in an immoral place. It wasn't that I was in an unintegrous place in my soul, in my heart, in my ministry even. Mm-hmm. It was just that I needed to quiet and chat, clutter down. And there's sometimes I still have to choose to do it. In that moment, it was really God leading me into that season. But I have times still now where the Lord's like, you, you just need to turn off the news for a while. You go off social media for a while just to purify you. So I, I think it's important. I think it's everything, Sean, but because, what is it, James, is it, you can't have, you know, water can't flow out of that place. We want a pure flow. So I just, you know, those that are listening, mm. you know, don't let this be legalism. Let this be love that will motivate you mm. to let the word of God sozo your soul and find those places where you find the secret place because what God speaks to in secret, then, you know, he could shout it in the mouth. Man, that does. And it's so powerful because we were just talking earlier about so much of the seduction in this age is to move towards the platform before you go through the process. Now, what I love, Bob, is what you're sharing is you're sharing your process that it's getting alone. It's becoming still. Yeah. And it's relational. The thing about it was it wasn't like I did that process so that I could get somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was I mean, I knew where God said he was taking me. And I knew that there were things in my life that wouldn't make it, you know, and that I had to change. The infrastructure in my life had to be strengthened before he could build that house. But I think ultimately it was just relationship. I just wanted to be with him. And so like the process is about relationship, particularly with prophets. You know, if you're called to prophetic ministry, you're called to lead people too. And what does Ephesians 1 says? It's, it says that pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation but so that you can prophesy good prophecy. No, that you would know him. Mm. I pray God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him and then know the hope to which you're called. So we as people that are called to bring the wisdom and the revelation of heaven are called to that so that we could know him so that we can make others know. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So every time I release revelation, it should reveal something about God. Mm. And I can only release something about God if I know something about God, if I've experienced myself. So that spirit of wisdom and revelation came to me. So I want to know him, you know, so I can know him more. And I still find myself in that place. I used to I say it like this, you know, I spent nine months on the carpet and it was musty, nasty, <laughs> smelly carpet. And I know when I've gotten too far away from that place, wow. when I can't smell the musty carpet. And sometimes I'll just get on my floor in the hotel room and go, I just want to smell the carpet. I just, just want to smell the carpet again. Because if I lose that scent of that carpet, I've lost the secret place, you know? And I really believe that there's a secret place for all of us. God just somehow attached my secret place to a smell, you know what I mean? Yes. To a, because I'm, but I'm still, I tell people there's still part of me that's on that basement carpet floor, still just say, God, I just, I need more. And I think that's, mm. look, our hearts can get skewed. The world we live in, it's it's whacked out, man. And there's stuff out there. I can get caught up in the political noise. I can get caught up in the cultural noise. But if I can get back to that car, say, God, I just want to start it again. Man, Bob, dude, I love you, man. Final question, bro. Yeah, Ephesians 1 talks about that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know the hope of your calling. Understanding there is kind of eyes of your imagination, eyes of your heart. How do you develop the eyes of your heart to see and perceive? I think a lot of people would say, hey, I feel like there could be like a seer thing on me. Sometimes I get pictures 
but I feel fogged in or or it's kind of hard or I only have moments of clarity. It kind of ebbs more than it flows. Yeah. So how would, do you develop the eyes of your heart? That's super good. And I haven't done enough like study on that, those keywords other people have that I could really give you an exposition of the scripture. But I'll just give you a practical way that it works for me. Because I am a seer, but I tend to see more in the natural plane, not like a, not that she's angels. So I look at John 1. Here's here's a great place to look at you if you want to go and see from my perspective. John 1, there's a story, verse 43 to the end of the chapter, Jesus and the calling of Nathan, right? That story. Yes. I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Like, you're an Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me? I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Whoa, you're the king of Israel. You, you know, <laughs> right, right? right. He's like, yeah, but you think that's something. You're going to see angels ascending and descending. So that tells us a couple of things about CRL. It's past, present, future, right? Mm. It's natural plane, soulish realm of the person, and then spiritual plane. All those dimensions, if wow. you will, right? So I can see in the spirit into someone. I could see around them, and then I can see above them. And Ooh. then I can see their past through God's perspective and reframe their past, what they've been through. And then I can see into their present and give them perspective. And then I can see into their future and predict and position them to step into it. I tend to have a, a, a sort of sweet spot around seeing in the natural plane and being able to look panoramically past present future like that. I think the way I develop that is by asking questions. And so because naturally I'm a seer, I might see someone and say, I might be have an impression. They're creative. Then I ask a question. Oh, how are they going to do creative? Through fashion. Ooh, what, what kind of fashion? Oh, vintage clothes. They're going to make those old clothes and make them new. You know, well, what were they going to do with that? They're going to put them on show. Why? Because they're going to prophesy to them their, their identity in the future. Where? Oh, they're going to do that on the missions trip they go to this summer. Ken, that exact wow. thing happened to me, right? Spoke that to a 15-year-old girl in Germany and heard a group of friends came up to me the next day and said, how did you know all this? That's exactly what she does. She gets old clothes, she refashions them, and then we're going on a missions trip to Kenya this oh my gosh. this uh, summer. And I said, well, I think God just told me. And then one of them said, what's going on inside of your head when you said this? And that's when I realized I'm having a conversation with God all the time. It's just that I sometimes make that conversation public. So good. Yeah. And so I think awareness, let me give you three things that I've learned about seeing. Uh, when when you become aware of something, then it becomes available to you. When it becomes available to you, then you have the authority to do something with it. And so right now, all around you are angels. You could stop right now and like become aware. Or all around you is somebody's potential destiny future. You just have to see it. And, it, and when Jesus stopped, and, and it says, in, I think it's verse 47 there, John 1, when Jesus saw him, that was it right there. That was game over because as soon as he saw him, Boom. He saw his potential. He saw who he was, his integrity, his heart. And then he saw him sitting in the He saw him. Wow. If we as prophetic people just stop and just look at people, yeah. like we just look at them the way God sees, then God makes things available to us that he wants to do for them. And then we can speak them and actually create this thing for them that, that God sees for them. Uh, it's the best job in the world. I mean, I hope people just stop and become more aware. And if, if you're like me, like I say, I'm not the guy that stops to smell the roses. I'm the guy that tramples the roses on the shortcut through the garden. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get somewhere quick, but just stop. That's and so then what do you see? Because there's a lot of Nathaniels that God's putting across your path that day. And they, they maybe have been just, they've been sitting under a fig tree waiting for a Messiah. And they can't even recognize him when his path they pass by because their heart has grown sick because of a hope deferred. And that's what happened to Nathaniel. He sat under the fig tree. The fig tree was a place where Hebrew boys would intercede for the Messiah to come. And he had seen so many fake Messiahs come by that he gave up hope. So his friend said, hey, the Messiah's here. He's like, 
No way, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And Jesus understood that here's a heart that's grown sick, but I'm going to see him differently. Wow. And when Jesus saw him, boom, it shifted everything for that. That guy, And then the desire fulfilled, the tree of life. And all these new things became available. Bob, you've written a book, Keep It 100 Tribe. If you love what you're hearing here, he so goes into detail on the prophetic, on the voice of God, on thinking like heaven, aligning ourselves with the mind of Christ. It's a profound book. You need to get it. Let us know how we can get that book. Absolutely. Thanks for that plug. Yeah, you can grab it. It's my website. It's just my name, Bob Hazlett, H-A-Z-L-E-T-T dot org. And you can get the book there. Yeah, we do have a passion. Our mission, Sean, is to raise up the next generation of voices from every culture to go to every sector of society. Love that. So we do that through our online school, Ascend Academy. We've raised up voices that are in media right now today. Wow. Um, voices that are in government, in business. And so really that's just our passion is not just to have voices for the church, but that people would you know, discover the voice or define the voice of God, define the place that they're called to stand in the culture. So thanks for having man. me, man. It's a blast. Bob, man, I love you. Ooh, that was so good what Bob said. That was incredible. Hey, Keep It 100 Podcast Tribe, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure and subscribe so you're alerted when new episodes drop every single Tuesday. Don't forget to rate, review, and refer us. And as always, check us out on SeanandChrisaSmith.com. You can also find us at Sean and Chris Smith Ministries on Facebook. Join us. Also, next episode, we're going to have a pioneer and general of the faith in the house on Keep It 100 we're going to have Mama Cindy Jacobs Woo-hoo. talk about what God is doing in this season prophetically and on the subject of the renaissance of hope. Don't miss it and keep it 100. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100.